Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here at the Zen Center. And thank you to all of those who are here on Zoom. Thank you to my teacher, Galen Roshi, for this opportunity and for guiding me along the way. Today, I'd like to talk about grandmother mind, one of the many minds we have in Zen. But first, I'd like to introduce someone to you. <laughs> this tiny human is Santiago Manuel. He was born on June 19th in Portland, Maine. He's my grandson and my first grandchild. His entrance into this world was dramatic and my feelings for him have transported me to a new realm of love. My daughter, Alexandra, likes to plan ahead and be well-informed about what her future may hold. She and her husband read, researched, and took classes. She planned to have a natural birth, though also knowing that ultimately all that really mattered was safely delivering a healthy baby. Her pregnancy was uncomplicated, and she was ready for a smooth labor and delivery. Well, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. We almost lost her and little Santi. Then a few days after they came home, she developed a serious infection, possibly from her prolonged labor and complicated C-section. By the time she got to the hospital, she had a couple of hours. She was a couple of hours from sepsis, but she was stabilized put on intravenous antibiotics, and returned home a second time after two days. Witnessing her violent shaking, brought on by her high fever, wondering if she'd make it to the hospital, is something I will never forget. So this little person made quite an entrance. And I became a grandmother needing to tap into what I have learned through years of Zen practice about equanimity, remaining calm and strong while faced with so much worry and anxiety. What is grandmother mind or grandmotherly mind? And how is it so important in Zen? Ehe Dogen, the founder of Soto Zen, our founder, told his monks they should develop grandmother mind. He said, you can understand all of Buddhism but you cannot go beyond your abilities and your intelligence unless you have Robai Shin, grandmother mind, the mind of great compassion. This compassion must help all of humanity. You should not think only of yourself. So what does this grandmotherly mind mean to me? As I thought about the experience of Santi's birth and the weeks following and my place within that framework, these things came to mind. Wisdom, equanimity, strength, flexibility, kindness, compassion, love, and joy. My wisdom comes from being an older woman, from being a mother and a teacher, from observing and learning from the many mistakes I made as a parent, 
and from my Zen practice. As I watched my child battle with the storms of emotions that overcame her not only because of the surge of hormones after Santiago's birth, but also the trauma she lived through, I had to tap into that wisdom to figure out what to say, how to give her the space she needed to feel what she needed to feel to be able to work through all that happened. In How to Cook Your Life, which are Dogen's classic instructions for the Zen cook, with commentary by Kosho Uchiyama Roshi, Uchiyama says, living with parental mind also means to be prudent and aware of the child's real needs, lest we stifle the child with blind love. I had to find a balance between being sympathetic encouraging Alexandra to embrace all that she was feeling and also supporting her as she had to move forward and face the huge responsibility of taking care, care of and nourishing her tiny baby. Equanimity and the strength I derive from it comes from being an older woman being a mother and a teacher, and from my Zen practice, my many hours of sitting zazen. I had to remain strong and calm if I was going to be helpful. I could not give in to my own anxiety as my child went through this experience. It was important to remain present, to accept what was happening and make myself available to do whatever needed to be done. I kept reminding myself that everything, absolutely everything we encounter is our life. Uchiyama comments, since everything, even misfortune, is your life, what is essential in these circumstances is to meet adversity with an attitude of equanimity. When we throw our life energy into whatever we might encounter, no demon can help but retreat. Flexibility comes from being an older woman, from being a mother and a teacher, from observing the mistakes I have made when being rigid in my thoughts, and from my Zen practice. I'm the parent of two children whom my husband and I took care of and nourished, and who turned out amazingly well, in my opinion. But this is my daughter and son-in-law's journey. So I'm working on not giving unsolicited advice in how things should be done when raising a child. I will be there always and will have plenty to say, I'm sure, but only when asked. I also witnessed the strong and loving bond between my daughter and her husband and saw what a supportive and strong son-in-law he is. He, how he never wavered throughout all this, of this experience. I observed myself having to let go of being her main go-to person in a time of crisis. Yes, I was there and my help and support were definitely needed. I'm still her mother, but my role is different now. It doesn't take away from who I am in her life, but the one she turns to first is her husband, as it should be. The power of a grandmother is to recognize and accept that our children may now turn to their partners and their friends 
and that there's a transformation in my relationship with my daughter. Good transformation based on trust and love and a new phase in our relationship and that I can bring that wisdom to my relationship with my grandson. I think this letting go, this acceptance that life flexes and changes is part of grandmotherly mind. Kindness and compassion are an essential part of grandmotherly mind. And in my life have been cultivated once again from being an older woman, from being a mother and a teacher, from my Zen practice, and from the example of this Sangha. <laughs> Teaching my children to be kind and compassionate beings, human beings, was foremost in my journey as a parent. And now it is their turn to pass that on in their own way. In her article on Grandmother Mind, Susan Moon, a Zen teacher who has taught us here at the Zen Center, says, parents have to have a different kind of mind than grandparents. Parents have to attend to the nuts and bolts of their children's needs, feeding them, sheltering them, keeping them warm. They have to protect them from cars, from sugar, from kidnapping, Parents take care of the foreground, but grandmothers, both literal and metaphorical, can pay attention to the background, to the water and the air. We can tell the babies stories about the stars. Perhaps it is easier to allow kindness and compassion into the foreground for grandmothers because we can let go of all of the responsibilities, of all the clutter of the endless small details involved in parenting. We can, we can do this in our lives as Zen practitioners. It is what we do on our cushions as we meditate. Let go of all the clutter and focus on the present moment. This brings me to the joy and indescribable love of being a grandparent. The instant and deep love I felt for this tiny person from the first moment I held him was something I had heard about from other grandmothers, but which still overwhelmed me with its purity and intensity. Truly unconditional love. Exactly what I felt for my children as I held them for the first time. But different, because it comes coupled with the wisdom of age and experience with less anxiety about what the future will hold for this little being. Whatever he encounters will be his life. And when possible, I will be there, as will a whole community of loved ones, to help him along the way. Grandmotherly mind is this mind of love, of unconditional love, which must come with wisdom and equanimity, for I can see how it could be stifling if not given wisely. The joy of holding this little human against my heart as he slept, of smelling his soft baby head and listening to his breathing, the joy of watching his parents figure out his feeding, his sleeping, his changing, and to see the look on their faces as they hold their little son. The joy my husband and I get out of watching videos of Santi smiling over and over again, just a smile. <clears throat> Grandmotherly mind knows how to stop 
and pay attention to the joyful details of our day-to-day life. It also means being present exactly where we are and the strength that comes from that. As I embarked on my new journey as a grandmother, I thought about the role I will play in Santiago's life and how I will be a part of his life, even though we do not live in the same city. And I thought about my grandmothers. My maternal grandmother was no longer alive when I was born, and my paternal grandmother lived far away. I grew up in Argentina and Bolivia, and she lived in England. And in those days, being in touch and seeing each other frequently was not as it is today. She had other children, grandchildren, who lived nearby, but made such an effort to be a special presence in my life, to stay connected. One of my fondest memories is the books that she sent me for Christmas. She lived in the, sorry, we lived in the countryside far from big cities and far from books in English. I treasured those books, looked forward to them and read them over and over. I also remember the letters we wrote back and forth. On one trip to England, I had shown her two tiny little dolls that I loved to play with named Janet and Rosie. They were about this size and went on many adventures with me. Well, my granny started corresponding with my little dolls, and somehow I managed to keep one of those letters. (laughs) (laughs) And it even has a tiny little stamp. (laughs) And she was not young when she wrote this tiny little (laughs) One of my favorite lines. Here's the letter. I'm sorry. It says, I hope you are both good girls and look after my little Sally. And how beautiful that I knew then that this was so important and managed to keep it. What a sweet and thoughtful way to stay connected to a little girl who lived so far away. Of course, even though we saw each other infrequently, I adored her. As we talked about grandmothers, my daughter reminded me of her relationship with my mother, who also lived far away. We were here and she lived in Bolivia. We also communicated through through letters with an occasional long distance phone call. Alexandra, my daughter, had sent her a finger painting she had made for her granny. My mother turned these colorful squiggles into a dragon whose best friend was a little girl named Alexandra. She started to write stories about these two friends and sent them in installments for me to read to Alexandra. The dragon and the little girl went on many adventures together. Granny got more and more creative and even composed a little song to go with the stories, complete with instructions on how it should be sung. My mother wasn't a warm and fuzzy chocolate chip cookie baking grandmother, but this was her way of connecting with a little granddaughter who lived far away. I'm sure many of you are remembering your own grandmothers and moments with them as I speak to you now. Aren't we lucky to have had the relationships as many have not had that opportunity? How does this new grandmotherly role of mine connect to what we in Zen call grandmother mind. For me, it is to be present in each encounter and to remember the relationship that I have with this little person, the immense love, the joy, the kindness, 
the compassion, all of it, to remember and to pass it on. The mind of equanimity and strength, the mind that can say, it will be okay. We will get through this together and it will be okay because this is your life. The mind that doesn't try to control, but can let go of rigid ideas and just be present. As Dogen said, this compassion must help all of humanity. You should not think only of yourself. All of humanity is a lofty goal, but with each relationship I encounter, I can remember Santiago and the way I hold him with tenderness and the way I want to keep him safe and try to bring that tenderness, that tenderness, that joy, and that love to each encounter. To me, that is grandmotherly mind. As some of you know, I'm a retired school teacher, and one of my favorite activities as a teacher was reading books out loud to my students. I looked for books on grandmothers and found many. This is one of my favorites because of the great illustrations. <laughs> but I picked one about a boy, a mole, a fox, and a horse. Because to me, the mole, the fox, and the horse, in their own unique way, are examples of grandmotherly mind. And as it turns out, so is the boy. I will read some of my favorite pages and attempt to show you these truly beautiful illustrations. The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse by Charlie Mackesee. So a boy meets a tiny mole. Hello. I'm so small, said the mole. Yes, said the boy, but you make a huge difference. What do you want to be when you grow up? Asked the mole. Kind, said the boy. What do you think success is? Asked the boy. To love, said the mole. Do you have a favorite saying? Asked the boy. Yes, said the mole. What is it? If at first you don't succeed, have some cake. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Does it work? Every time. <laughs> He's saying hello to the cake. <laughs> what do you think is the biggest waste of time? Asked the boy. Comparing yourself to others, said the mole. I wonder if there's a school of unlearning. Most of the old moles I know wish they had listened less to their fears and more to their dreams. What is that over there? And there's a huge, vast field that they're looking at. It's the wild, said the mole. Don't fear it. Imagine how we would be if we were less afraid. And then they encounter a fox who's trapped in a snare and can't get out. I'm not afraid, said the mole. If I wasn't caught in this snare, I'd kill you, said the fox. If you stay in that snare, you will die, said the mole. 
So the mole chewed through the wire with his tiny teeth. One of the greatest freedoms is how we react to things, says the mole. And then the fox draws a heart in the ground. I don't know if you can see it beneath the tree where they're sitting. I've learned how to be present. How, asked the boy. I find a quiet spot and shut my eyes and breathe. That's good. And then, then I focus. What do you focus on? Cake. <laughs> so they get to a river and they're they're peering in, leaning over and looking at their reflection. Isn't it odd, says the mole. We can only see our outsides, but nearly everything happens on the inside. And then the mole leans in a little too far and falls in. And the box sees this and rescues him. So then the three become friends. So much beauty we need to look after. Being kind to yourself is one of the greatest kindnesses, said the mole. We often wait for kindness, but being kind to yourself can start now, said the mole. Often the hardest person to forgive is yourself. Sometimes I feel lost, said the boy. Me too, said the mole. But we love you, and love brings you home. I think everyone is just trying to get home, said the mole. And then they meet a horse. Hello. And they play. And the boy and the mole ride on the horse's back and the horse jumps over a river. The boy falls off and he's very scared. You fell, but I've got you. Everyone is a bit scared, said the horse, but we're less scared together. Tears fall for reason and they're your strength, not weakness. What is the bravest thing you've ever said? Asked the boy. Help, said the horse. When you have been at your, when have you been at your strongest? Asked the boy. When I have dared to show my weakness. Asking for help isn't giving up, said the horse. It's refusing to give up. Sometimes I worry you'll all realize I'm ordinary, said the boy. Love doesn't need you to be extraordinary, said the mole. We all need a reason to keep going, keep going, said the horse. What's yours? You three, said the fox. Getting home, said the boy. Cake, said the mole. I've discovered something better than cake, added the mole. No, you haven't, said the boy. I have, replied the mole. What is it? A hug. It lasts long. Nothing beats kindness, said the horse. It sits quietly beyond all things. Sometimes, said the horse. Sometimes what, asked the boy. Sometimes just getting up and carrying on is brave and magnificent. 
The greatest illusion, said the mole, is that life should be perfect. Life is difficult, but you're loved. So you know all about me, asked the boy. Yes, said the horse. And you still love me? We love you all the more. Sometimes I think you believe in me more than I do, said the boy. You'll catch up, said the horse. <laughs> the fox never really speaks, whispered the boy. No, and it's lovely he's with us, said the horse. To be honest, I often feel I have nothing interesting to say, said the fox. Being honest is always interesting, said the horse. Is your glass half empty or half full, asked the mole. I think I'm grateful to have a glass, said the boy. We don't know about tomorrow, said the horse. All we need to know is that we love each other. And then a storm comes. When the dark clouds come, keep going. When the big things feel out of control, focus on what you love right under your nose. This storm will pass. And the storm does pass and they go home, but it's a long way home. We have such a long way to go, sighed the boy. Yes, but look how far we've come, said the horse. Sometimes I want to say I love you all, said the mole, but I find it difficult. Do you, said the boy? Yes. So I say something like, I'm glad we're all here. Okay, said the boy. I'm glad we're all here. We are so glad you are here too. What's your best discovery, asked the mole. Then I'm enough as I am said the boy. So one doesn't have to be a grandmother to have grandmother mind. You can be a mole, a fox, or a horse, using your compassion to help every being you meet, treating every encounter with kindness, equanimity, wisdom, strength, flexibility, joy, and love.